1: And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg.
2: And welcome back in the third and final hour here on Monday. And when it's Monday, when it's 11 a.m., it's time to queue up the Rolling Stones because that means it's time to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Let's make Mick a little richer. Let's make Keith a little...
3: <laughs> and good morning, Jack. How are you? I don't know how much richer you can make, Mick, uh, at that level, but, <laughs> but every, every bit helps, I guess.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, w- welcome back. It's uh, It's been quite a week here. Uh, in the city, and quite a week with things that have been going on. We're going to discuss a lot of it, uh, and, and, and I do I do want to play a little bit of audio before we get into it. Go for it. If uh, if that's okay, because, you know, when they insult you on the radio once, the, <laughs> you absolutely want to hear it a second time, right? Uh,
3: absolutely.
2: So this was from my conversation uh, on Friday with uh, Council President Linda Morad and Council at Large Naomi Carney as part of our weekly segment with the Council President. And if it sounds a little funky, I was broadcasting live from Duke's Bakery, but let's play this clip. Speaking of businesses, I want to ask you both, uh, and I'll start with you, Council President Morad. Uh, Jack Spillane had an article this week in which he looked at the, and we're going to talk about some of the, the work that you do with these neighborhood meetings, but he wrote a piece uh, where he looked at the the plan to go to different businesses with the counselors and to have these kind of informal get-togethers with folks, and uh, and he was putting forth the question about whether or not that would be an open meeting law violation. I just want to ask you, because I'm sure this is something that was looked into both with the council and the council and attorney Garatowski to to determine if there would be any issues with the way these are being handled
4: so tim um you know it must have been a slow news day for jack um or he must be getting old one of the two but we've been doing this now for several years um you know we obviously did not do it during the pandemic year so for 18 months or so we put a pause on this but we've been visiting uh local restaurants in our community a lot And what we've always done and what we'll continue to do is we always post uh, via the city's website where we're gonna be, what time we're gonna be there. Um, Oftentimes in the past, all of us have been together. All of us were together in January at Katalema when we did this. Um, And oftentimes in the past, we've been um, a quorum or less than a quorum. There's no command performance here. Everybody knows the date, everybody knows the location. And people decide if they can make it and if like to go. And frankly, I'm I'm pretty surprised that Jack thinks that you know ten or eleven adults who understand what the laws are in the city of New Bedford can't get together and have dinner and enjoy each other's company without violating open meeting law.
0: So
2: I'll just I'll hold it there. But you can hear the entire interview on the podcast uh, at wbsm.com and on the app. But. I mean, Jack, that is that's the first thing that I thought of when I was reading your article was I would assume that they can get together and know enough not to discuss city business uh, if if they're in that kind of a situation. But you kind of write in the article that the that 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 temptation might be too great sometimes.
3: Yeah, I, I think that this city council and previous city councils have well demonstrated that they are capable of violating the open meeting law. The mayor referred to it in his interview with you last week. Um, Councilor Mora herself has done email polls in several locations which are clear violations of the open meeting law. Like you cannot take a poll of people and then get their results and then ba- you, you present the motion on the council floor when you already have gotten the, the discussion as to what their positions are in this, this private email poll. So I think that... I think, my, my belief is she's done that several times. Um, so whether the counsel has always been doing this, I don't know. I was not aware of it. Um, I called the attorney general's office. The attorney general's office is not going to speak on specific cases, but they will tell you in general what the law is. And I think that the counsel is skirting close to the edge. I didn't say that they had violated the law. I said that sooner or later, I think that they will violate the law by skating this close to the edge. My understanding from talking to the attorney general is that when you post a meeting, in particular, if you post it, which they have been, I think they're posting it out of the right impulse to let people know what they're doing, then if you get a quorum, which in this case is six of 11 councillors, then that meeting has to be visible and hearable by the public at large. Now, in most restaurants, that would not be the case. Um, I think in, in the restaurant that I was writing about, uh, Cafe Mimo, there was one table nearby, but even that table may not have been close enough to hear it. Morad says something about, well, get a listening device. No, the law says that if you're gonna meet in public with a quorum that, and you've posted that meeting, that you have to be able to see and hear it, not with a listening device, but just be able to see it, hear it. Now, the restaurant owner is a private party. He's not. He or she is not under any obligation to um, provide that space for you. If he wants to rent out that table to somebody else, he can. But the council is under an obligation to let somebody hear. So I don't know whether you would sit with them at the table or, or, or what, but depending on how many people wanted to do it, you couldn't do it. Now, at this particular meeting, they did not have a quorum. I never said that it was a violation. What I said was that when you're regularly doing these kinds of meetings outside the council chambers, you're tempting yourself to sooner or later uh, uh, go into public business. And I think that that's too much of a temptation, especially for a council that has already demonstrated that they're willing to violate it by way of email communications.
2: So one of the things that the council is now... Uh, pursuing is starting its own social media channels so if they had a facebook account and they went facebook live from the table during these meetings would that would that cover those bases just in case i mean obviously it's not going to mean there's something going to start running a meeting uh but would that would having that live access work the same way that gave them access when it came to uh you know having to do the meetings by zoom
3: well i'm not an expert on on uh the open meeting law. I I did research it as well as I could, but I'm not a a lawyer. Uh, Social media is a whole different thing that we're all getting into now. I think that there are some exceptions continuing at least until April for the pandemic regulations where you can do things remotely. Um, But after that, they're going to go back to the – you have to be in person. So what What I'm saying is that um, for a body that has, has already demonstrated they're willing to, 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 to violate it, to be holding monthly meetings where you're inviting everybody – is a temptation, you know, w- whether it's by accident or by purpose to, to go into this. Don't do it. If you want to support local businesses, have two or three of you go to the ward or whatever in question. This seems to be some sort of a team-building spirit thing for the city council. But the... But, but the, well, the Pre-
2: president, Council President Morad said that that's something that she's going to be yeah, focusing but, on.
3: But the state legislature has ideas about that. Now, the state legislature exempts themselves from the law, and I, I object to that. I, I, you know, the state legislature is famous for doing things like that. But the state legislature says no, we want city business to you know or town business to be done in public. So if you have more than a quorum, you can't do that. Now, this law does not prevent a bunch of counselors, even a quorum, accidentally showing up to a parade or a birthday party or anything like that. Sure, that can happen. But when you actually invite everybody, which is what they're doing, then I think It is a gray area. Uh, We had the Fall River case, which I referred to in my column, where five – a quorum is only five in Fall River because they only have nine counselors. Five people showed up, and um, somebody filed an objection with the attorney general. The attorney general ruled, well, we asked all five of them, and they said, no, we don't – we didn't talk about public business. Well – I've known public officials to not tell the truth sometimes. I don't know about you. And the attorney general had no proof otherwise, so they ruled there was no violation. What I'm saying that is in the spirit of this law, in the spirit of this law, they should not be inviting everybody to meet for team building or any other reason. If you want to build teams, then then you have to do it with less than a quorum. And the fact that they're doing this, I think that they're trying to set up a loyalty to each other rather than to the people who elected them. And that loyalty to each other, you saw it in cases like where they're afraid to criticize you Dunn or George Rogers or any other councillor that gets in trouble. They they stick together, and I think that that's not good. They have to be able to agree and disagree respectfully. Now, sometimes you see that on the council floor, but more and more you see councillors who don't say anything and then vote. They don't say anything on the council floor and then vote on key issues. We saw this with the, the um, reclassification. We saw this with the Carol Pimentel nomination to the vote tech. People who are saying nothing to the public about how they feel and then just vote on a motion. Then we had email polls on how much you should, should you spend on the opera. They're doing a lot of things. It, there's a lot of evidence that they're doing a lot of things behind the scenes. And so now, you know, and, and Councillor Lopes and Councillor um avu told me they did not do um these meetings when they were uh, uh president now that was during the pandemic so maybe they didn't do it but well council president
2: morad mentioned one that
3: Councilor lopes had held yeah so she, oh, she mentioned oh, being can, one. all i can tell you is that he told me that he didn't he told me that he went to one held by another count that was held by another counselor maybe he misremembered it whatever he's not the person who's doing it now Councilor morad is and what i'm saying is that if you, if you post it, then you absolutely have to let anybody – and that's what they're doing, I think, well-intentionally posting it. If you post it, anybody who shows up to that restaurant, you have to let them hang out with you for those two hours close enough. And and I don't know how – unless you get got a function room and you're in a private space in the back where there's a, a place for an audience, I don't know how – The the restaurant owner accommodates that. Now, if you don't post it, it's on the honor system. And I think that's a bad system when people, you know, either accidentally someone comes up from the public and and starts talking to you. What the public discussion is, it's not a motion. It's not a vote. Any discussion of the public thing automatically makes it an open meeting law violation as soon as that happens. So I just think that it's better not to do it. You know, team council spirit building or whatever, it's better just to stay away from that. It's not part of the state law. And also, let's have the counselors discuss how they feel a little more in public rather than just voting on things. That was a big frustration with the reclassification is counselors who said virtually nothing about these pay hikes then voted for them. You know, and I I think a lot of people were suspicious that the, that the discussions went on behind the scenes.
2: One of the um, accusations leveled by Council President Morehead in that discussion Friday was she suggested that you had sent a reporter, you had sent yeah. a reporter, to sit uh, nearby while they were having this discussion. Yeah. And I just I wanted to ask you, did yeah. you send so, a reporter? First of
3: all, when I was at the Santa Times, I was the news editor for a while. And when I was the news editor, I did send reporters of things. I am not an editor at the New Bedford Light. I have never been an editor at the New Bedford Light. So I don't know where Councilor Moore had got her information. I checked with the reporter in question this morning. And I said, did I... I send you to that meeting, and uh, the reporter said, no, I did not. Uh, now, I had strong views about that, and I made my views known, but I am not in a position to send anybody from the New Bedford Light to any meeting. I'm not an editor there, and I'm a, a reporter and a columnist like anybody else. But two two things. So
2: somebody else at New Bedford Light, an assigning editor, could have sent that person to there, but also they advertise this as being something that would draw the interest of a reporter that would want to go there and be there for it to yes, see if anything is where and they come So why, out
3: of it. Why, why would, would she uh, think there was anything wrong with that? And then she said, well, we could have sat at the table next to it. It's not that easy because you know the reporter wants to be respectful of the restaurant owner was under no obligation to give up his table. And... The, the second thing is she's talking about, well, maybe if, if, if the table was close enough and if it wasn't close enough, you could get one of those listening devices. No. If you have a quorum, which they didn't in this case, but if they had had a quorum, you are under an, – and you posted it, which they did. You are under an obligation to let the person, however many people of the public show up, be close enough to you to see and hear what you're talking about. So just as a clarification
2: to open meeting law, your understanding of it, if they don't have a quorum and they discuss city business – it's okay. It's okay. According to the law. So
3: as long as you have less than, it's... it's- right, but, but, but what worried me in this case was that they invited everybody. So if they had only invited two, three, even five people, then there's no there's no issue. But once you invite the whole council, there's a chance that all of them are going to show up. And if that's the case, then the public has the right to be there. So, I mean, what do you do? S- sit at the bar and wait to see if they get to six? You know, it, it just seems like they're, they're skirting right on the edge of, of, of being there and they say oh well, take our word for it we would never do council business well you know what even good people make mistakes sometimes they accidentally go into council business or they purposely do it i think the council has a lot of good people on it but i think the council sometimes has yielded to the temptation to do business in private and i've given the example which the mayor agreed with was the email polls you know so i i I I just think I've been surprised at the lack of interest in most of the media in this. You know, I think it's a a serious issue. And uh, uh, so by that same token, my understanding is
2: if you send the email and you send it to each individual person and you ask them what they think about it, that's okay.
3: But if you no, no. So I, I actually could not get an answer on that question from the attorney general. I said, well, what if you just send an email to everyone? You know, is Individually, that, not on a, not right. On a chain. Right, is that communicating with everyone? And I, I think those kind of chains are illegal. But, you know, the, the Attorney General's office, correctly so, does not want to get into an individual case unless there's been a complaint. An investigation. And there's, and, well, there's been no complaint. Like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, anybody could file a complaint, but I don't think you'd get very far with this one because there was not a quorum. But what I'm saying is that they are – not so much violating the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law by inviting everyone. Now, if you invite everyone, but you don't post it, then there's no open, you know, there's no violation. But then if you drift into a public discussion, even if you hadn't posted it, there's a violation. But once you post it, then even before you talk about things, the presumption is that you might. And in fact, the way that the posting was worded was, we don't anticipate discussing public business Well. Not anticipating, there's no guarantee. Right, you can say in that we won't be discussing public business. Well, 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 yeah, but I think I think I think it's hard to control that when you have six people talking, sure or more.
2: We do have to take a break. Uh, Callers, hang on. We come back. We will get to you more with Jacks Blaine as we are turning on the light. When we come back,
1: after the big
2: gun, here with us turning on the light. We're going to go to the phones now. Good morning. You're on with Jacks Blaine. Hello. Hi.
5: Good morning, uh, Tim. At Jack, this is Catherine. Morning, um, hi Catherine. Hi, uh, Jack. I wanted to thank you for uh, writing that article about the gatherings. I, I do want to, at the moment for my call today, to get to the business about the uh, uh, the mayor's actions on the uh, about the increases. Um, but I just want to say I agree with every single thing I've heard you say or write. About those gatherings, and I, I, you know, I know Tim, you feel differently, and I'd love to have a discussion some other time about it. But um, I'll just
3: city say, not even my mother, God rest her soul, used to agree with everything I, I said. Or right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the city council is meeting this Thursday, so we'd have to be quick. Those of us who don't like our hard-earned tax dollars spent on twenty-five percent increases for certain positions in the city, and though I'm disappointed that the mayor um i mean he kept his word i'm not disappointed that he does that but i am disappointed that he did not veto those um the the uh the second uh, amendment uh however that said by his writing the amendments even though i don't you know the city council could totally ignore them since he approved at the same time uh their latest actions um we have time through Thursday night to voice our opinions, those of us who don't want our tax dollars spent with 25% increases on positions such as, and I, again, uh, director of licensing, dog catcher, et um, We could uh, call the city council, 508-979-1455. We could email the city council. Uh, all of their email numbers and their business and home numbers, some of them are listed. Uh, if you Google city council in New Bedford, um, if you have a neighborhood meeting this week, go and express your opinion uh, and if you can go to the city council meeting this Thursday, go and understand we can't speak at city council meetings, but we can carry signs. express yourself through a sign so I really appreciate uh Tim also your having brought this up this morning too. That was the first I had heard of it, what the mayor had done and uh it, you know, it's an opportunity for us to talk about this on the radio, so I really appreciate
3: it. All right. Thank you for the call. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just say Arthur Hirsch has an excellent story on, on the mayor's um, revisions. The mayor signed it because he feels there are some positions he wants to hire quickly, uh, uh, critical positions like the chief financial officer. Um, and there are some professional positions that are hard to get, so he just wanted to, to get those raises through But I think, like a lot of people in the city, he feels like this was a reward for certain people who are uh, favored by the council. Uh, He had his own favorites, it's true, but uh, there's the 10% reduction in the race. I think a lot of people in the city are just really frustrated with the council and the way that they're spending money for city employees who they think support them. Well,
2: and we can get more into that for sure as well before the end of the hour. Good morning. You're on next with Jack Spillane.
4: Hello.
1: Man, it's been hectic since uh, Linda Morad became city council president. Things have been a little uh, chaotic, to say the least. I, I personally have been appreciating the articles by uh, Mr. Spillane, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that he's, uh, you know, doing these things because we need to, to know and we need to discuss these matters. And uh, I, I totally agree with everything you said. And, uh, you know, her behavior, uh, she, I, I think she's... Uh, become quite uh, uh, used to being a city councilor, and I don't think she believes that she has to act a certain way. She's gotten the votes every couple years, so she's become accustomed. I don't think she's going to change, and if she stays in office after the next election, then we have something deeply, deeply wrong here in the city, and that's my part, what I want to say. Thank you. Thank
2: you for the call. Uh, so I want to do. I do want to get back to the idea of of those um, salary reclassifications. So the mayor has put forth uh, six different communications for what he called the Carney amendment. Uh, and when oh, the the obviously we knew he was going to ask for the ten percent reduction for non residents to be waived. Um, he's mentioned that here multiple times on the show, uh, but he is pushing back on those twenty five percent. Caps, as, uh, as expected. Council President Morad said on the show Friday that she will get, you know, if the mayor's asking for those to be put on the agenda, they will be put on the agenda. I asked you about it before we came on the air. You didn't seem to think that it was going to be something that would happen relatively quickly.
3: Oh, no. I I, I take Councilor Moray at her word that she'll put it quickly in the agenda. I think she, when she says something okay. like that, she does it. What I question is whether the council will reverse themselves further. Mm. I think a lot of people feel that 25% is still too much. I think what the mayor is trying to point out is that there are already step increases that reward long-term employees um, uh, who work for the city. So Connie's amendment, which gives them a step increase beyond the step increases that are in the reclassification, is unnecessary. I think... Um, he, he actually accepted, uh, as I understand, he, he accepted a little bit of what the council suggested, allowing one uh, step to go up or one grade to go up, but not, you know, the, the six grades that some of the counselors were suggesting. Um, I think that he wants it to be more closely tied to what he proposed. And he also wants um, the ability for uh, a high-level position like the head of computer programming or the chief financial officer to come in on step three rather than step one because you're trying to get these people to come and, to the city, and I agree with that. You know, and that's
2: something that the council brought up with me on the phone Friday. It was I uh, thought they felt, they felt that was a little bit disingenuous to say, you know, you can't give these increases to these positions, but yet the mayor is asking for people to start at steps higher. And, and I, I, but there is two difference. There is two different scenarios there. You're looking at one as being a a reward for position versus trying to get in a person that is in an empty position.
3: Yeah. I mean, just just, just the way it is a lot of rank and file jobs. If you're a DPI laborer or if you're a, um, uh, a director of animal control or a director of licensing, those positions are, are are not as hard to fill as a position like the chief financial officer or the head of MIS, which is the the computer programming. You know, there are, are certain people that on the free market, are more in demand and they can get jobs outside the city, you know, that pay a lot more than somebody who is a laborer or, or an entry level teacher or a, any number of jobs. And it's not that those other people aren't important. They are and they should be given raises, but they, they aren't as hard. They, 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 they are hard. They are easier to hire than someone at a very complex high level job. And so I think that's all the mayor is trying to do. Councilor Maki suggested something like that. It did not pass the council. I think that, that, You know, the mayor had his own favorites, the EMS director that that I did not agree with. He wanted to give him a a big raise. What I said is if the guy is is doing such important work, so complex, create a whole new position, a whole new department and pay him – You know, that way. But 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 so I I think he's not blameless in 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 this. But the vast majority of the mayor's recommendations were based on the um, uh, the study, uh, the the survey that it wasn't exactly a study, but it was a survey that the um, personnel director did and not by someone's own private musings the way I I saw Council Morad's uh, proposals to be.
2: Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're next on WBSM with Jack Spillane.
6: Good morning, Jack. Uh, I I take a little, I take sort of a different view, uh, approach to this open meeting law issue and as it relates to the gathering of a number of elected officials that are part of a legislative group. And and I was elected official in my town for 26 years, uh, and I was on a three-member board of selectmen, and we realized that any time two selectmen talked, that was an illegal meeting. And 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 uh, I we focused though uh, I believe I don't know if the law had changed, but back in the day, back in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, when I served, uh, there was a specific exemption for so-called chance social encounters, and there was also a uh, uh, th- there was some reference to the fact that and I, I, I make this as a, as just for discussion purposes, if all the members of a Legislative group, a city council or a board of selectmen, say they went to a Patriots game and sat with 35,000 other people. Would that be a meeting? Would that be illegal? And, and, and just keep drawing it down. Say they went to a New Bedford High basketball game with a couple of hundred people and they, all nine were there. And they said, let's go to the game. And the specific intent was not to discuss business. Uh, I think that there's, you, you're heading down the slippery slope of uh... violating the first amendment rights of elected officials by not allowing them to talk amongst themselves about matters that have nothing to do with their official capacity as elected officials
3: so i'll, I'll say a couple of things uh, to me an accidental meeting is when two people show up to a birthday party by accident or a parade or something like that i don't have any objection to that uh, two, two people in the case of a three-member board Um I don't think it's accidental when you post a meeting, as they did by the city council, and invite all 11 councilors. That's having a meeting. You know, some place other than the council chambers. I don't think even if you don't post it, inviting all eleven—that's a—that's an invitation to come together. So whether you call it a gathering or a meeting, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a meeting to me. So uh, now I think you can raise legitimate questions as to whether the open meeting law is even a good law at all. I mean, I mean, isn't it true that that uh, I mean, as I as I said in my column at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, they nailed the shadow—they shut- nailed the shutters shut. Of the um, Where they were talking, because they knew that if the public outside could hear, they would never get anything done. Now you can say, well, that was a bad thing because they passed a three fifth compromise that didn 't treat African Americans as as full human beings, but it, it all depends on how you look at it. I think arguments can be made that it 's natural for people to talk, to talk outside the council meetings to make deals. The legislature exempts itself, but the law is the law, and the current law is that you can 't do this. And so I was just pointing out that the council has a has a history of doing things. And and, and re, one of the reasons I wrote the column was because I was frustrated with the councillors uh, who weren't, weren't talking at meetings. And I'll name them. Councillor Abu, Councillor Maki, Councillor Lima, Councillor Gomes, to a certain extent on, on some issues, were not saying a lot and then voting on things. And I was frustrated that that the arrangements had been made outside of the council chambers. And so... I, you know, I, I wasn't saying that there was a direct violation, and I understand the arguments against it, but I think that the New Bedford City Council is skating close to the edge, and I wanted to let point just, that out. Let
6: me just say this about that, Jack, and you know, I, 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 I don't completely disagree with what you're saying, and I understand the law is the law, but I also know that law is a matter of interpretation and application, and that I, I am troubled by that if a group of people who happen to just also also be elected to the same legislative assembly a council, a board of selectmen, or whatever, go to some event specifically for a non-governmental purpose. Go to a Patriots game and sit with thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 other people, for example. Is that an illegal I, I just you said it say, wasn't. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, well, let me just finish, because I think the point is, is in the intent, when you talk about any law, including the open meeting law, specifically talks about the intent. And if the intent was to have a meeting that the public did not know about so that you could conduct business that they would not know about. That's very different then. And, and I think the example is that Congress uh, has become dysfunctional for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that they used to do is they used to get together on weekends, uh, large groups of them. And uh, even local municipal officials would frequently, in city councils back in the day, would, you know, after the meeting, they would go out socially and talk about things, and there would be a quorum there, but they would, they had concluded the meeting, and when you take an oath of office, you say, well, how do you know they're not talking about city business? I said, well, they took an oath of office, and I think if you was an elected official in this Morad meeting thing, I think it's, it's, it's a gray area and slippery slope, but if the intent was to just have a social gathering to get to know each other and increase the efficacy and efficiency of the council by getting to know each other on a personal level, I think that serves a purpose that the public would want to have happen. Because otherwise, you get this people having non quorum meetings, cooking up the deals, and uh, the, the and, and that is what the open meeting law is supposed to get at. And the AG's office, I've I haven't been involved directly in a number of years, but they started uh, looking into so-called daisy chain emails or counselor a would send an email to counselor b i I, just want to i want to let you
2: know i got about 30 seconds just so you know
6: well i am just saying that i I think that there's nothing there's a purpose served that would help the public to have the counselors get together as a group and and, with the understanding that this was not to conduct business but it was just to get to know each other better and and i i think that the good faith and credit if somebody was sitting nearby and, and not excluded from it and sit at the table and even interact with them, then I don't think there's a violation.
2: All right. Thank you for the call. I do have to take a break. We can talk more and take more of your calls. 508 996 0500. We will be right back.
1: 1420
2: WBS plane of New Bedford Light as we're turning on the light. Before we get into this next call, Jack,
3: uh, you'll be back here on the air on WBSM on Thursday. Yeah, I'm excited to be part of South Coast tonight, which uh, I just think is the greatest political uh, show going. And um, they're going to do a, a, a debate with the award three finalists, Carmen Al- Amaral and Sean Oliver, and I'm going to be joining Chris um, uh, uh, and Marcus to uh, add a little bit of New Bedford Light into the into the proceedings.
2: And I think it should be a very interesting night for sure, and of course you'll be able to call in as well with your questions, 508-996-0500, such as this caller is doing right now. Good morning. You're on next with Jack Spillane. Oh,
7: hi, guys. Uh, it is President's Day today, and um, I was wondering um, if... Um,
3: the fact that uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You there? No? I think he hung himself up. Oh, too bad. Uh, i just like to say since his President's Day, a word for uh, the great Jimmy Carter, who is in hospice care now. I think he's an underrated president and certainly a, a great ex-president um, in all the work he did for world peace and Habitat for Humanity. Um, uh, a great man.
2: I've actually heard, you know, so many people who are politically opposite of Jimmy Carter talking about, you know, this... It, Nobody faults him for the things, you know, nobody goes after him like they do, like, say, Joe Biden, for example. They look at it more as like, we had a guy that maybe was in over his head in the situations that he was in.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure anybody or, could or, have done better with the man right, hostage crisis.
2: More, more like the situations that were thrust upon him were, were tough for anybody to deal with, let alone somebody who, you know, might not have been ready for prime time at that point in his life. But the discussion that I heard was like, imagine if just if Jimmy Carter had run for president 10 years later how much different of a person he might have been. Yeah, so.
3: I, 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 I was alive and an adult during his presidency. I thought he was a decent president, not a great president then, certainly better than a lot of the other people who have held the office.
2: Also spoke uh, publicly about his UFO sighting too. So, all right, I will take this final break here so we can get it out of the way. Callers, hang on, we'll get to you when we
0: come back. Even though... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
7: Good morning. Eero. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um... Kevin McCarthy had to eat his words at the uh, State of the Union address and stand up for Social Security, which the week before he said their plan was to get rid of it because the American people don't want it. So my question uh, to Jack is, could he investigate, could you investigate how many people in that area do have Social Security? And how many millions have benefited from it since roosevelt's plan so uh i think some light ought to be cast on that seeing as there's many republicans who want to get rid of it and what do the polls say about people's uh acceptance of social security or rejection of it
3: i think um you could you might be able to find that statistic in the u.s census reports uh you probably have to break it down by community like New Bedford, Dartmouth, Fairhaven separately how many people get social security but basically if you think of it this way anybody who works for the private sector gets social security eventually it's not income uh, determined it's only people who work for the government that don't get social security so if at any time in your life you've worked for the private sector you're you're paying into social security and you're going to get paid out by that I mean I I, um, I'll just be perfectly honest I'm 70 years old I'm, I'm on social security myself I'm still working but um uh uh social security is is a, is a contract we make with the federal government we pay into it and they and it's going to keep me out of the poor house so i'm certainly a supporter but i think i'm not alone i think the vast majority of the american people collect social security now that what they say is that it needs to be um tweaked because there's not enough money going into it and i'm willing to pay a little bit higher taxes in order to keep the system going you know, I don't think it, it's in any danger of failing unless unless you decided you were going to tweak it. But, you know, the and same thing with That's what med-
7: they would like to do, is to tweak it.
3: Yeah, but I, th- I think it does need to be tweaked because it, it does need to have a little bit more money coming into it. And the reason for that is the generation following my generation, the baby boomers, is, is smaller. And so it's going to be harder for them to... And then you have a, a lag. And then Generation X, I think, is a big generation again. Well, maybe, it
7: was good seeing Kevin McCarthy squeeze squirm and then have to stand up for it to everyone's applause through to joe biden's challenge
2: yeah no he played that very well i'm gonna hold you there though because we're just about thank out you. of time but thank you for the call and um yeah i mean uh, as, as as a general Xer, uh, I, I i know that that's coming sooner rather than later for us but i also worry that there won't be anything there when we get there.
3: Well, no, they they just have to tweak it a little bit. You know, you got to, to pay a little bit higher taxes. Um, uh, in the generation after you, which I think is is Generation Z, because I don't ever hear, think about, gener- so. I never I hear about Generation it. Y. Or oh, no, the m-
2: Millennials are next.
3: I think Millennials are what would have been called Generation Y, and then this Generation Z, and Generation Z is a very big generation even bigger than the baby boomers and so then they're gonna, when you get there you're going to have a lot of people paying for you it's just that you have to pay for a generation that's bigger than you you just reminded me of that song from the 80s where it's like people are still having sex <laughs>
2: anyway that'll do it for us for the hour uh, if you missed any part of the discussion and you want to catch it later on in podcast we will have it up for you at wbsm.com and on the wbsm app and wherever else podcasts are found but that'll do it for me for today stay tuned we have coming up Bill O'Reilly at After Bill O'Reilly, Barry Richard has you. He's got a very interesting uh, couple of articles up today on WBSM.com and on the app, including one about the history of the Butler Flats light and its ties to U.S. history. Uh, And then later on, we'll have Howie Carr. We'll have South Coast tonight, Mark Levin, Charlie Kirk, and all the overnight programming. But that'll do it for me for today. Uh, Until tomorrow, have a great day. And as always, make sure that you enjoy every sandwich.